0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio, and you're here with me, Poppy Gibson, and very excited because hopefully, fingers crossed, if all goes well, we will be speaking to a teacher overseas, over in Texas, USA.
0: Visit JohncatBookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.
2: Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Ofsted finds itself in the news again, as inspections, paused for a two-week period to allow inspectors to undertake mental health awareness training, begin again on the 22nd of January. ITV News shared the results of a survey of almost 2,000 school leaders, which showed that 97% support the removal of single word judgments. The survey, carried out by NAHT Union, followed the outcome of the inquest into the death of Ruth Perry the union has urged Ofsted to implement a number of changes, including a mechanism for school leaders to halt an inspection where an inspector's conduct falls below standards, extending the notice period schools receive for inspection and asking them to revert to a process, however temporarily, of ungraded inspections similar to those conducted during the pandemic. Meanwhile, the BBC reports that Ofsted has apologised fully for the first time for the role it played in Ruth Perry's death. The apology came at the same time as Ofsted responded to the coroner's prevention of future deaths notice. In the PFD response, new Ofsted chief Sir Martin Oliver said such tragedies should never happen again and that he apologised sincerely for the part inspection played in her death. Since the death of Mrs. Perry, schools judged as inadequate on safeguarding alone are now re inspected within three months. Ofsted also changed its confidentiality rules to allow heads to speak to colleagues, family, friends and health professionals about outcomes of inspections before the report is actually published. The Department for Education has committed to working with Ofsted to review things during a consultation in the spring, which it is calling the big listen. Education unions praised Ofsted's positive steps, but said they were only the beginning. The weather has been front and centre of the news this week, with schools across parts of Wales and Scotland being forced to close due to snow. Icy conditions and weather warnings made for tricky travel and forced school closures in areas badly affected. For those concerned that the post-pandemic impact of remote learning would mean the end of snow days, pictures on social media and local news prove that this was not always the case. But anyone worried that the icy blasts will last can be assured that the weather is set to return to normal over the next few days. Authors, including Sir Michael Morpogo and Mallory Blackman, have written an open letter urging the government to invest in early years reading. According to a Book Trust survey, only half of children between one and two from low-income families are read to daily, with some families struggling to access books and being in need of support. The letter from authors is addressed to both Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and Labour leader Sakir Starmer and says it is not right that children from poorer backgrounds are deprived of a life rich in reading. Sir Michael Mopogo is president of the Charity Book Trust and helped launch their new campaign Get Reading to support disadvantaged children in family reading. He spoke on BBC's Radio 4's Today programme saying that the younger that children are introduced to the power of stories, the better chance there is of putting them on an extraordinary pathway of knowledge, understanding and empathy. He also said that books need to be free at the point of delivery, like the health service. A DFE spokesperson said, we are committed to raising literacy for children, but Sir Michael said that these efforts are clearly not enough. Finally the Guardian features an article which looks at research in America that appears to show that children learn better on paper than on screens. The research follows headlines across the pond which focused on the nationwide collapse in reading scores among American youths, citing a four point drop in the comprehension skills of 13 year olds, falling below skill levels of 1971 for the worst performing students. Politicians appear to be assigning blame to the pandemic and the subsequent lockdowns, with remote learning being labelled as bad for students by the Biden administration. Others blame teachers who they say lobbied for lockdowns. However, the article itself focuses on a new study by neuroscientists at Columbia University's Teachers College, which appears to show there is a clear advantage to reading a text on paper rather than on a screen because it leads to what they describe as deeper reading. A sample of 59 children aged 10 to 12 were asked to complete a series of tasks, which led researchers to conclude that we should not yet throw away printed books and shouldn't rely on the digital revolution just yet. Further details can be read on The Guardian website. This
1: has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Jo Fox welcome to teachers talk radio you're here with me poppy gibson um hopefully you've had a good week hopefully the sun is shining i'm absolutely amazed that here we have got the sun out in the uk i feel like a miracle even on the school run this morning my son was saying um is summer here now i had to let him know no not for a while but um without further ado i mean i'm almost shocked good morning jared
3: Good morning. Can you hear me?
1: Oh my goodness, you've you've just made my week. I can hear you.
3: (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. So glad.
1: (laughs) Like I love how even though you're in a totally different part of the world, you have joined effortlessly. So a huge thank you for our listeners and from me today.
3: (laughs) It's 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 amazing the time we we live in, you know. Uh that that we can this is a time to be alive. It It really is. It really is. It really is. I think so.
1: It really is. And I think we have to confess to our listeners a morning, Dave, I can see us listening in. Morning, Alex is listening. Um, Jared, what time is it where you are, please?
3: 5.01 AM.
1: Wow. I mean, I think this speaks volumes. You're a very dedicated, passionate educator already. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Before true. I even ask uh-huh. you any questions. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: thank you. Thank you, you. Glad, thank you for being you up,
1: mind. being up so early. And um, so, Jared, I'm really excited today because I know the theme of our show is we would love to hear from you, your experience of when you're teaching over here in the UK um, in the past mm-hmm. and now what it's like for you in your current role. So I hope it's okay. I've just got a list of loads of questions to ask sure. you today.
3: <laughs> sure, sure.
1: Wonderful. Before I do that, and um, I know our listeners are dying to hear like all about you and maybe the first question i'll ask you in a minute is about how you got into education and i would love you to take as long as you like to just really talk us through the steps from whenever you know secondary school or whenever you started mm-hmm. to think what you wanted to do as a career so it, so start thinking on that but first i have a confession to make sure.
3: okay
1: and and i and i hope you won't hang up when I tell you, but the, the also secret reason, I was so excited to read that you live in in Texas. Is that correct for a start?
3: C- correct, yeah, Houston, okay. yeah, I live in Houston.
1: Okay, wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. Good, okay, so this this leads on to my confession. Sure. My, one of my absolute favorite secret TV shows is this animation from like the 90s, although there's a new series coming soon called King of the Hill,
3: Yes. Do you know it,
1: Jared? Yes,
3: I oh, love King of the <laughs> Hill. Are
1: you a fan? Yeah, you're a fan. Oh
3: yeah,
1: oh yeah. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I was younger when DVDs were a thing. I had every book set of King of the Hill cartoon, <laughs> and on unlike you know those evenings when your brain is melting, I would just watch King of the Hill like I will binge watch. And I'm I'm so excited you're actually there. I mean, have you seen Hank or Bobby like walking around <laughs> all the
3: time? <laughs> all the time those those characters come from someplace real and yeah
1: <laughs> that's so cool I'm glad I'm glad you're a fan um oh, okay sure. so without further ado then um I'm literally going to ask a question and mute myself and I just want you to go 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 tell us question one how did you get into education off you go okay
3: okay well um if you you've you said you want me to take as long uh, as as I need and um I will uh all right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, the details of that. So um coming out of uh high school, which high school for us is ages fourteen uh to eighteen, so think uh year ten, eleven, uh twelve and thirteen over there. Um so when I was coming out of high school, um I wanted badly to go into a career as, as a stage actor. A uh, film actor, one of those. And um, I was, I went in from high school, I went to a, a university program uh, where I was pursuing a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in acting. After a couple of years, um, I changed my major to theater studies and concentrated in directing. That doesn't sound like a long leap or a, or a big different change to a non theater person, but it was, it's quite a different. Quite a different path. Um, So I was going the directing route, and then I graduated. And I was supposed to go into a job straight out uh, of my uh, university experience with a uh, brand new theater in Middletown, Ohio. And a few months into that, um, some financial things weren't right, and the job ended up falling through. Um, That ended up being actually a wonderful twist of fate quite a moment that felt at the time like a crisis and it it was a crisis i mean job falls through i I had to move home with my parents which i I didn't want to do um but ended up ended up loving that experience too and getting closer to them during that time but moved home uh with with mom and dad and uh, took a job as a uh i took a, a temp position with a uh with with a with a bank uh in in my hometown of columbus ohio and um i was working on uh data entry with having to do with uh home mortgages and i it it felt to me it felt soul-sucking i mean th- there are people that do that every day and are and are wonderful at it and we need every one of those people doing those jobs um, but it was not for me and it wouldn't be fair to those with mortgages if I was the one doing their data entry because I didn't, because I, I, I didn't care about it. It wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't my passion. Um, so I, I quit after four days. Uh, I was, and I, I recall, I was more afraid of what would happen to me if I didn't quit that job um sure i had fear about you know okay you're, you're gonna quit this what's gonna happen to your income all that but i was more afraid of what was hap- what would happen if i didn't quit so i made up some excuse left early one day and went home and 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 my mother said she goes you know your old high school needs substitute teachers and um i said okay well that, that sounds like a temporary thing that i can do while i'm looking for theater gigs in town and 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 pursuing Graduate degrees in, in theater. I can I can be a substitute teacher for a little while, so called up the school. They said, "Yeah, we need subs." So uh, started uh, substitute teaching there, and within a couple weeks of that, one of one of their long established uh, history teachers had a heart attack. And
1: oh my goodness! They,
3: they, yeah, and he ended up making it, and he was he was fine. Okay. But um, they they needed somebody to cover his classes for two weeks. So I go in and for two weeks, I'm the one teaching history to them. Uh, It was really a a principles of democracy class uh, Mm -hmm. technically, but doing that work, getting to know the kids over the course of a couple weeks and being their teacher for a couple of weeks really kind of made me go on a deep thought journey um and i finally can't i finally realized i went you know what i can do this i could do a job like this wow and i could and i could potentially do theater after school with them wouldn't that be cool so um i was about to pursue my certification in social studies history uh and then that ended up not happening Um, because I ended up getting a a series of other jobs uh, that were Um, Mm theater-related. So eventually what happened was I went to, uh, eventually, you know, started getting more theater gigs, started doing more theater-related jobs in in Columbus, my hometown, where I was more from. And then I ended up going to graduate school uh, at Emerson College in Boston. And a a year into that, uh, I took a trip. To Europe for the first time, and I was in, and, and I went and visited London for four days. Uh, during that time, I went and visited the um, London Academy of. Uh, I, I went to over to Lambda and visited them. I was looking at mm-hmm. a um, at a directing program to do uh, after I finished my my graduate degree. My graduate degree is in in theater education, and. I, the, the, the program, the, the directing program wasn't going to work for me. I figured that out pretty quick, but, but I did. Over the course of a few days in London, I thought, you know what? I could live here. I could live here. I, I wow. could live here. And, and honestly, though, I, I should say this too, that to live in the UK had been a not a secret ambition, but it had been something I'd been interested in the idea of since I was like seven or eight years old. Um, mm-hmm. I was very, very into into the uk and what was going on over there i was doing school projects on monarchs and those things um but so then here i was you know in my 20s in graduate school and you know and i'm visiting the uk thinking you know what this this really could work so wow. finished the trip to europe got back to boston i contacted the british consulate in boston and i said how does somebody who's an american get a teaching job in the uk mm-hmm. and it, this was 2004 and it was I think it was easier for Americans at the time. I don't think it's quite as easy with the visa process now, but so I, uh, th- they sent me back the Times Educational Supplement, and you know I looked on there and I noticed all these drama teaching jobs for January of 2005. And I thought, well, that's right about when I'm gonna be doing my, <laughs> student, my student teaching for my, for my certification here. So I thought, well, why not? I'll just send my resume and I'm getting all these responses back. And suddenly, I thought, "Ooh, okay, th- this may be possible." So I contacted the wow. head of my head of my graduate program. He says, "He says you can do your student teaching there. That's that's fine." Um, ended up taking a position in uh, in Brentwood, Essex at Shenfield High School.
1: Um, no way! That's about way. 15 minutes from me. That's about 15 minutes.
3: Yeah, I, I thought I thought so. Yeah, you're you're at um you you te- well you teach in Chelmsford, right?
1: Do you Is know that- Chelmsford?
3: I used I, I lived in Chelmsford when I when I taught at Shenfield.
1: No way.
3: That's how, what a small that's, how world. that's how we know the same person that we know.
1: Oh, let's shout her out. Thank you Chrissy. I know Chrissy. she's going to listen back. Chrissy's going to listen back to this. She told me Dr. she couldn't Chrissy. listen live. Yeah. yeah we love you christy love, love
3: you love 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 you Chrissy. we love her so much anyway sorry
1: to interrupt i interrupted yeah, no, 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 but no, no, okay it, you were in, no, Brent, in okay, brentwood okay.
3: <laughs> yeah, so I was, yeah i took a job at, at shenfield high school in, in brentwood uh and yeah got over there in january of 05 and um yeah and then there it was i was doing my first job and my student teaching at the same time um and uh yeah so kind of Kind of got into it that way. What wasn't something I planned to do in under in my undergraduate, but um, it kind of found me, or I found it. I, I'm I'm not sure who found who with with education and me, but uh, but 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 we ended up getting together. So so that's been good.
1: Wow, what a story! And so I lo- I loved hearing that journey. Firstly, thank you for sharing that. Sure. In your opinion, now looking back, and I particularly found that interesting that story of when you were at the bank and. You just yeah. felt like it was destroying you. And I love that. Did you say you were there for four days?
3: <laughs> I was. I was there four days. And
1: I love it. Both, but
3: I, yeah, I love that you just days. took a
1: risk and you were like, this isn't me. So I guess yeah. my next question, do you therefore think teaching is a vocation? Was it like a calling? Like, are we born teachers? What's your opinion?
3: Ooh, good question. Um, I think some of us are. I think some of us are born uh, to do it. I think some of us um, learn it and get better at it as we go. Um, and I, I've, I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a lot of the difference of that in, in, uh, in Texas, especially. Um, we've, and, and, and I think oh, it's true in the UK too. I mean, there's been many a path created by legally. Uh, as far as roads to qualification roads to certification and and that's been done out of necessity because we need people to do the jobs and I think within that uh, populace of people that are doing the job I think there are those that are born to do it I've seen those people work uh, and it's it's wonderful to watch but I've also seen wonderful people work who who struggled uh, and and, it, and and it wasn't them and that they didn't feel like it was them and then they came back to it and stayed with it um, so I, I think, it's a it's a long answer to your question, but I think the short answer to your question is uh, yes, both.
1: Interesting. And for you personally?
3: ooh, um, I feel like. I feel like I have had a chance to experience this may not. I hope this answers your question. It may not be a totally direct answer. Um, it's. There's there's the there's the Japanese idea of I believe the word and I'm I'm so sorry to our listeners that do speak Japanese, or to, to to your listeners that do speak Japanese I'm, I'm i may get this word wrong, I believe the word is is ikigai, and it's the concept of I'm going to do my best to describe this, the concept of doing what you love, uh, doing what you're good at and what you love and what. Uh, and what you're passionate about all at once—it's a there's a beautiful Venn diagram describing it, uh, where so many things meet together. And I think in my in so many jobs I've had in the classroom, and then in my current position, um, I've I've gotten to have moments of and, and stretches of time where I was living in that icky guy, um, where I was doing something I was good at and liked, and and gave me fuel and fire. And um, I think once you've tasted that and lived that, you you want it again. And so, I kind of feel like since I've experienced it, I'm always striving to make my working life that. Wow. may not be the answer you're after but um, no i love
1: yeah. it i love it i'm gonna i'm gonna look at that that japanese word which i also have no idea <laughs> i'll have to listen back to the show the great thing about Did you just talk radio you can listen back but i know i love that and i i can hear the passion in what you're saying which is also why we were so happy to have you on because we love Thank you. passionate <laughs> educators so my next question i, w- I was going to ask you to talk a bit more about when you taught and lived in the uk but i know you've sure. spoken a bit about that um i wonder was there any particular highlight that stood out or even more generally than the classroom, anything you loved about our culture over here, or, you know, a good cup of tea, is that something you've taken back to Texas (laughs) with you?
3: (laughs) I I do have PG tips at my house. Um, Good choice. (laughs) I do have PG tips at my house. I at a, moment with my aunt was visiting i don't know if you're going to use this in the in the in the show or not um we, but, we don't uh, cut
1: anything so it's going oh, wow so you will <laughs> use this all right well then i'll make sure my aunt
3: hears this um so my, my aunt was visiting me once and she um it was in, in texas she was visiting me and uh, i had pg tips in the house and um she takes a pg tips bag and she you know puts the hot water on it and then she leaves it she steeps it for a while which is we, we we typically will do tea that way. We'll steep it, we'll leave it there. But PG Tips, you don't need to do that. You just, you know, water goes in, it's basically done. Um, and she like left it, you know, there for for like new, like 10 minutes or something. And then she drank the tea. And then she said to me the next day, she's like, this tea turned my teeth brown. Why did it do that? <laughs> and, and I went, what? It, it doesn't do that. What would you, I said, how'd you make it? What'd you do? And she described what she did that way. Oh yeah, yeah, you, you don't need to do that with this. You just <laughs> drop it and it's done. It's, yeah, you don't do it the way we do it. Um, that was, that, that was a teachable
1: and... moment. So I Absolutely. love that you, you still educated, uh, there's still the education story.
3: <laughs> I, educated my physician aunt, that's right.
1: I <laughs> love this. Um, and also, of course, many other tea brands are available. Um, oh, yeah. So let's let's jump on, because the, the main thing I'm, I'm really interested to talk to you about, my next question, can you tell us more
3: about theatre education in Texas? sure uh it is both very large and very small Um, and what i mean by that is we have more kids taking theater as a class in school in high school uh in texas than any other state in the country um i don't know how much data we have on middle schools uh with um, kids taking theater in middle school in in texas but i'm gonna guess that we probably have the most in the country uh, doing doing that as well um, the reason for that is we have a an awesome um, theatrical educational theater contest in the spring for high schools uh, it's it's run by the um, University Interscholastic league out of Austin they also govern sports they also govern pretty much every every competitive, uh, every contest that might happen in public schools in Texas. And they also govern a one act play contest, uh, 18 to 40 minute shows. And, um, they have something like 1400 schools across the state participating in it Mm -hmm. every year. And, um, that, that's what makes it the largest educational theater contest in the world. Um, it's, it's such a, because it's got the University Interscholastic League or UIL behind it, it, it gives it a, a cachet that um, that has saved theater programs. The participation in it and the recognition it can bring um, for schools. I mean, if, if a school goes all the way and wins the state contest, I mean, that's certainly something they can brag about. And it's been something that our it, um those of those in leadership who are not theater people can look at and recognize yeah uil when i play i know what that is I, I may not know why it is you need to hang and focus lights differently for every show but i know what uil when i play is and i and i want our teachers doing it um so because of that i mean we, that that's why we have so many kids taking theater in in, in high school in texas um and we have so uh-huh. many wonderful people teaching it. And, you know, if, if somebody goes to one of our uh, teacher conferences, which there's there's numerous ones in Texas we have where, where theater teachers from around the state see each other uh, annually. Um, if you go to one of our uh, conferences for teachers or one of our conferences for, uh, for kids uh, in Texas, it looks overwhelmingly huge. But what I've figured out is the the community of theater educators that have been around a while is actually very small. Um, mm-hmm. It's a it's a, everybody pretty much knows everybody or they know someone in common, um, which has been great. I mean, that's, that's great for uh, sharing resources. That's great for, I mean, I, I, if I'm ever dealing with anything as an administrator um, and I'm not sure how to deal with something or if it's supporting a teacher or um a situation i've never dealt with before there's absolutely someone in texas i can call Um, uh, yeah and and i can say you know look we're dealing with this what do you think and i've received phone calls like that too um you know people have asked hey we're starting um something with theater that's going to be for elementary students you and your your district is doing that better than than most um what are you doing can you tell us about that um so uh that, that kind of thing. Actually tomorrow, um, I, I I was hoping I would get to talk about this, um, I may as well talk about it right now. Um, yeah, tomorrow, tell us, tell us. <laughs> um, yeah, tomorrow actually I've got, um, what I'm gonna be doing all day is, uh, I'll, I'll be up early again tomorrow because we've got a one act festival for elementary students. Um, and that's the, and at one of our, it's being hosted at one of our middle schools. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll have students between the ages of three and 11
1: wow three
3: in mm-hmm, one of our schools is uh one of our elementary schools is connected to a an early learning center and so they they asked me they said hey can we have uh da- kids from the early learning center uh in our chorus of our of our show that we're gonna do for the one act fest?" i'm like yeah you can that's fine wow. so um yeah, so we're gonna have some three-year-olds there and then in uh in, in one of in one of our shows and then uh, the rest will be uh between probably between five and eleven um but uh yeah i mean wow so that's, good that's luck good you. luck that
1: I sounds amazing that. And yeah. do all, like, the like the parents and carers can come and watch it's like oh yeah. Oh, yeah
3: oh yeah yeah free awesome. free attend and it's and we make it free to attend um uh, for a few reasons i mean we want to maximize the audience and the exposure to it um <laughs> but we also want we also wanted to make it easier on the schools to get royalties and those kind of things. Admission's free, royalties are cheaper, that, that kind of thing. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's 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 tomorrow. Theater and Elementary School is one of those things in Texas that's still kind of getting going, mm-hmm. um, and we've got 15, 15 or sixteen campuses in in my district that um, that, that have it, and uh, it. That's the when I go to those, these big conferences I talked about that's the thing that other theater administrators from districts especially want to talk to me about. Like,
0: what, mm-hmm. tell,
3: tell me about this one-act fest with elementary you're doing. Tell me about this Shakespeare fest with elementary that your district does. Can we, you know, how are you doing that? And so mm-hmm. that's that's been fun. So
1: yeah. Wow, it, it sounds like such a supportive community, you know, the it fact really that is. everyone knows everyone. Mm-hmm. I love that and so firstly yes huge good luck tomorrow we'll all be thinking of you um sure. if you're listening back this event may have happened on the 27th of Jan so we'll look forward to some updates on your socials please Jared uh for after sure. This. for sure um before my next question then I want to pick up on, on some of the things you're saying there because this mm-hmm. sounds like as you say you're seeing the uptake in theatre studies growing mm-hmm. I would say in the UK we're seeing the focus on humanities shrinking you know mm-hmm. anything around the arts um drama anything like that seems the fun- the funding is being pumped instead to english and maths provision Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that's also the case do you think also I mean how did you feel teachers were regarded when you were here in the UK because in my opinion I I think we're not regarded very highly compared to yeah. is is there more respect for teachers in your opinion in in Texas like did you notice any differences
3: or um as far as respect for teachers I think there is respect for teachers for people that know what teachers go through um there is, and I think this is, exists everywhere in the world. I think there are those that don't know the profession and look at it and assume, oh, you just work 8 a.m. to three and then you leave and, uh, and and then that's your job done and everything. Oh, and you get the summers off and that must be nice and everything. And what, you know, of course, we know what those people don't see is the real work that goes into it, the going in early, the difficult meetings of parents, etc. cetera. Um, I think in terms of pay and in terms of uh, benefits and those things for teachers and all that in the U.S. it kind of depends on where you are. I think there are some states that um, have been a little bit better uh, about paying their teachers and taking better care of them. Um, and but but I think that's kind of true around the world too. As far as the emphasis on, um, on on English on English and maths, as you said in the UK, that's always been that. That sounds like the story of my life. Um, that, that sounds like that's... I, I've, I've been dealing with that uh, as an educator. Um, gosh, even, even when I was a sub, I remember subbing for a um, for, a, for a, a, a class and for whatever reason we were in the auditorium and I remember somebody coming in uh, and I said, oh, is it too loud in here? And, and they said, no, you're fine. You're not near any academic portion of the building. And I wanted to. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, wow. What? And and the thing is that that's that's I still hear that from people um, there, and I still hear that from people I love and trust that are wow. that are administrators I admire, and I there's one in particular I won't I won't say her name, um, but there, there there's one in particular that, that I that I worked for um, that I remember in her office saying, uh, this is a principal of a school uh, talking about the academic subjects, blah blah, blah. and mm-hmm. um. And then she looked at me, she's like, I can see your face. I know what you're thinking. I know I said it, you know. Um, wow. And, and I remember that being a discussion like, you know, it, it, the, these are academic subjects. Mm-hmm. You, you know, there, there is that, you know, it's not just it's not just going in there and playing a bunch of games. It's there's there's real life stuff. Um, yeah. s- something that I've been I've had some inroads with as far as um, advocacy uh, for for theater is. Um, I once did a training for assistant principals uh, in our district. This was at an in-district conference on on literacy. And um, I showed uh, our district's assistant principals in this training all the vocabulary words that are that are learned by students from kindergarten through second grade if they're in theater classes and And this was assuming that the theater teachers that they had followed the curriculum that the district had to the letter. Mm -hmm. And so I said, look, there's 60 some vocabulary words they learn and they learn them not just by reading them and writing them and learning the definitions. They learn them kinesthetically they learn what a blackout is because they're on stage and the lights go out and that's a blackout. They learn, you know, what xyz is over here because they live it. And um I remember that getting their attention. I remember I remember as as they to borrow the phrase from the UK the 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 penny dropping um, <laughs> when um And, and, and I did, and I gave that session a few numerous times. And that was the moment
1: for a lot of them. Oh, wow.
3: They're learning a lot of words.
1: The light bulb moment. But isn't that, isn't that crazy? You really had to point that out. Mm
3: -hmm. Advocacy is part of the job. Advocacy is, I, I think advocacy is, is an expected part of the job. If I'm ever in a position of, um, being in on a hire for a job, um, that for Teaching position—that's something I am looking for in the teacher too. Is how are they going to advocate? Are they going to make friends with somebody and sort of casually slip the 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 advocacy in? You know, um, you know, what kind of advocate are they? Because they have to be. Mm
1: that's so oh i love that you're out there spreading the word and here on teachers radio spreading the word but another thing i wanted to to pick your your brains about so i can hear that passion obviously um Mm -hmm. and look at your career history for theater and but it's isn't it interesting when we ask people so i do a lot of work around well-being and when i'll say to my Mm -hmm. students even you know they're training teachers i'll say what do you do to nurture your well-being you know if, if you're feeling stressed And so many of them will say things like, uh, listen to music, watch a film, um, go to the cinema. So we can see that these are the things no one says, no one has yet said, I do a math test, right? Right. (laughs) So, I mean, maybe they do, they just don't want to admit it. But but what I gauge generally from from this anecdote is that the things that seem to nurture our soul are these arts and humanities, yet Mm -hmm. we give them so little, um kind of gravitas in our school and if we look back if we look back I don't know hundreds of years how we imagine it might have been you know medieval times there was a a jester telling jokes there was someone with like a a flute dancing around and this was what brought joy pre-technology yeah Mm -hmm. and and still brings joy but Mm -hmm. I mean so one thing I want to say to you Jared actually my my oldest son is in year eight so he's coming up 13 Uh and we had his parents evening last night and all his all his teachers like he's he's amazing and his teachers all love him and what was really interesting he's about to pick his GCSEs next year, um, mm-hmm. which will take at sixteen and and all his um, like creative subject teachers were like I hope he picks art I I hope he picks uh, CDT design technology and like obviously he's got a passion for that and I can remember when I was picking my options you know thinking oh I must pick these. Typically, stereotypically academic subjects to get on in life, but for him, mm-hmm. I was like, "You, you're just going to have to pick what you want to do." Like, right. we shouldn't put pressure on the children to think they have to pick academic, well, traditionally academic subjects to be successful, right? It should be what what the heart wants, but that's not right. that's not what society sees, right?
3: Right. I mean, there's there's many a path to a goal. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're, you're going to end up where you're supposed to be. Um, we we have a very funny way of doing that in, in our lives, and um, I think there's a perception of when when we're pushing um, when, when we're pushing you know subjects that are um, English, math, science, social studies, what, you know whatever that is. That's that's you know, if that's your passion, that's fine. But if we're pushing extra ones in there, I, I do wonder what our end goal is um we we have uh, available in in texas right now um it's it's possible for students as young as um 7th grades 12 and 13 as young as 12 to take algebra 1 uh when they're when they're in 7th grade um which there's a lot of abstract concept with algebra with algebra 1 in and and, and for a 7th grader to do that is is a lot and then but but then the way the path works is they'll go they'll go algebra one then they'll take geometry as an eighth grader so 13 14 and then they take algebra two again well there was so much they were struggling with when when they were 12 and and learning it that they're rusty now wow and 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 that's always something i kind of wondered about like You know, and and we also do have on-level math too. On-levels, fine. You know, if that's where you are, fine. You're not behind anyone. Um, It it was was sort of like, you know, it was one of those questions that came up during COVID of so many people said, oh, I don't want my kid to get behind. It's like, behind who? (laughs) behind with what? (laughs) Everyone's in the same place, you know? Just, we're, 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 we're all going to be a little bit, you know, look, this pandemic's affecting us all. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I, I always do wonder about that. Like, you know, it, now that's to say if, if, if your kid is, I mean, and I myself have a, a daughter that's almost two and and she's wonderful, wonderfully brilliant. When mm-hmm. she's a seventh grader, if she can handle algebra one and desperately wants to do it, and we can understand what we want high school to look like as a result Mm -hmm. and we can see what calculus we want her in if that's her path if that's her drive fine but i'm not pushing her to go into algebra one because that's what everybody else is doing i'm not Mm -hmm. doing that it's um you know, if she's on level, she's on level, mm-hmm. and I'm ready to be the parent that complains if they ever take her out of a uh, an art or music class when she's in elementary school.
0: I'm Yay, like, I'm like, good. I'm
3: like already <laughs> gearing up for it. Like, don't do that again. Don't you take her out of that again? Well, and, oh, and because yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just, to have you. <laughs> well, I'll put this in just real quick too. um You know, with the English and the math, theater in particular, and I, I think this is true of all the arts, but theater in particular is there's so much practical application of both in that. And I and that's where I think the advocacy piece comes in. Mm-hmm. Because I think those in charge don't quite get that. They need to be shown it. They need to be shown that if you're building a set, you have to measure twice before you cut. Mm-hmm. You're using angles. You're, even in, in blocking a play, and staging a play, you're using angles and geometry all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I think... I think we need to I think as advocates we need to get better about making sure that our non that our non arts people know that, um, that. that they're actually helping with, with your English and your maths.
1: Definitely. And on top of that, so like you say, all the all the behind the scenes stuff, so many skills there, but even you know if we look at the actors that are taking Mm -hmm. part in the theatre like so Mm -hmm. so my amazing son that I mentioned he's he did a poem at the Carol concert um he is in drama club and he performed like at at the Christmas variety show and I was saying to him afterwards I was like I love my university students but they're Mm -hmm. 18 plus and I know some of them would rather crawl into a hole Mm -hmm. and have to stand in front of a room of people so Mm -hmm. this is such a a valid and important space to give people confidence and when we see anxiety at all-time highs to actually you know battle that and and get these people you know often my students jared like you know on a monday in my lecture i'll say who wants to come up that maybe they've made a poster i'll say who wants to come up and share their poster under the dot cam no one (laughs) or if i'm lucky one (laughs) and i'll say you, you know, you want to be teachers, most of you. How are mm-hmm. you going to stand in front of a classroom of 30 small people who are relying on you, you know, if you can't stand yeah. in front of 25 peers? And I think that just the theater in general, despite all the, the backstage stuff you mentioned, is vital in developing that that confidence, right?
3: Sure. Oh, sure. Absolutely. How often are they
1: reading out their, you know, their maths test answers to get that public speaking? So.
3: Right. this is the
1: problem. Yeah. if if we diminish these you know arts and humanities, mm-hmm. we're going to end up with people that are even more insular than, yeah, than they already are, right?
3: Yeah, oh, and and all, all most of these people that are taking arts classes and most of these people that are taking any classes are eventually going to be in jobs where they're going to have to work with somebody else. They're mm-hmm. going to have to listen to somebody else. They're going to have to empathize with somebody else. They're going to have to, they're going to have to work to deadlines. The, you know, all of those things are present. All of those mm-hmm. things are present in the arts. And, you know, and, and I, not that we're just trying to make better workers, because we we should be trying to make better people,
2: mm-hmm.
3: first and foremost. But there are definite, definite benefits to the workforce uh, that, that we're getting in those classes that are used all the time. It's It's project-based learning with mm-hmm. a group you know yeah those social
1: skills yeah yeah
3: yeah yeah, which which post covid um are have were during covid were were diminished of far too much and so you know that's something we can use it to build back from um yeah
1: definitely i love that let's pick up on covid then um so since covid work-life balance seems to be a larger looming more important topic than ever Mm -hmm. especially in education what's your Mm -hmm. view on that
3: i think um what we have post-covid is that gen z and gen alpha are making demands of of those of us that are older um, that i think they're demanding things that we should have taken care of before um, I think the demand for better work life balance is the right demand. I think that i, I think that so many of us in education uh, suffer the martyr syndrome. We put way too much on ourselves um, we put way t- we put time into the jobs that we could be putting toward our families and our and our mm-hmm. and our and our regular lives and we forget that it's a means to an end. It's while, and and, and I, I speak about this as, a, as an arts person, obviously, I think the work we do as arts educators is is vital. Absolutely, it makes us better humans, better workers, but that doesn't mean that we, the educators, have to be spending 18 hours a day on it and missing time with our own families over it you can't pour from an empty cup also you're i I think when a teacher is taking care of themselves and their students see that their students learn more of the value of that yeah i think our i think especially in the arts our kids learn more from our from their teachers actions than their teachers words and that's especially true for kids that spend a lot of, that that are in the advanced classes that spend more time with their teachers than than, than in other cases. I think it's it's true in PE uh, mm-hmm. as as well. There's so much more learned from the action uh, of the adult than there is from their words. Um, and so, yeah. Um, I mean, we I, I can I can remember myself. Even I, I did this at Shenfield. I mean, I um, I remember directing a show there. And and um, and what I was told was, oh yeah, you'll you'll just you'll rehearse the show at lunch you Know maybe the occasional after school rehearsal, and I'm going, No, no, we're, we're going to rehearse this a lot after school, we have a lot <laughs> we have to get done, and everything. And then, you know, I the, the thing is, I mean, I, I don't know why we had to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't we just take longer and, and do as much of it during the day as possible? And then everyone gets their evening free. Um, mm-hmm. in Texas, we have and we've had this for a while on the books, we've got a, a theater production class uh, in our high schools. That's, that class's job, it's an advanced class, and their job is to create performances. And wow. still, what we have is we, I, and, and I, I know many a teacher doing this, and especially right now with, with UIL One Act Play coming up, um, there's gonna be many a teacher that is going to use their production class to prepare for UIL One Act Play, but then they're also gonna have after school rehearsals too. Wow. Um, there is a state law in Texas, you can only you can only do that for um, eight hours, Monday through Thursday. Um, you can't go beyond that during during that window. Um, but they load the weekend and they load Fridays there. And I just yeah. I, I I I wish that um, I, I'm my hope is that with Gen Z and Gen Alpha uh, coming into the workforce and uh, and hopefully getting into management positions that um, what will happen is Will will have a reset and will, and we'll say no, no. Work, work is work. Home is home. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope we're getting to that, and that's that's something that kind of flies in the face of the work mentality in, in the U.S. We in the U.S. We largely have a have a a, a working population that lives that lives to work yeah. rather than works to live. Um. I, I think it's something, I may be wrong on this, and this may, I don't, I, I hope this doesn't offend any of the listeners. I think it's something we got from from the Brits. Um, th- th- there's a lot of our cultural habits that that I noticed when I lived in the UK that I went, oh, that's where we got that. Oh, that's why we do that. Oh, we are similar, aren't we? Um, and so, <laughs> but, but we had
1: good cups of tea oh, uh, to drink, drink whilst... <laughs> having these unmanageable
3: workloads (laughs) yes yes, for sure but i'm hoping we're coming into a place and not just in education but in all work where Mm -hmm. it's a where it's a work to live um you know i i i don't want to miss time with my daughter um i don't i actually um for for my own self as far as uh work-life balance um I, you know, I'm, I, I support 90 theater teachers in the eighth largest school district in the country. Wow. I, I was, when I first got this job, I was trying to go to as many of their shows at their schools as I possibly could. And I realized pretty quick, like, okay, I can't go to everything. And, And I remember my, my boss, my first year on the job going, you can't go to every event. Stop trying to go to every event. You can't do that. And now that I have a child, I'm. You know, I, I I don't go to nearly as many as I used to, but I also would say I don't think that means that our theater teachers in Houston feel less supported because of that decision. They you know um they, they can still reach me they they can we can still have conversations I still talk them through things I'm still the, one of the first people to tell them hey this weekend you go take care of you mm-hmm. and and everything but um yeah. Um, and, and, you know, if they ever ask me, hey, how come I don't see you at uh, shows as often, I'll go, because I have an almost two-year-old and, yeah. um, you know, th- those moments between birth and four, you know, I, I want to I maximize those,
0: uh, I love you know.
3: That.
0: So, I love that.
1: Yeah that's so valuable i think mm-hmm. j- that's just getting back to what what it means to be human right because you're you're so right work should be secondary and often it mm-hmm. it fills all our time so mm-hmm. i love that and all we can do is is the best we can do and you know you've you've helped explain to your students why you can't come to every performance you know that's
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's good role modeling right and i think you're right what we hope with the new generation is we'll have I think a a joint thing that will help obviously the the introduction or or the continued introduction of artificial intelligence into our roles Mm -hmm. to help take some of those tasks away. But then also if we have educators and administrators and people role modeling, how to cut off, how to set healthy boundaries. Yeah. That's, that's what then hopefully the next generation will grow up seeing, right? And we need to practice Mm -hmm. what we preach. Yep.
3: Oh, for sure. For sure, absolutely. I love that,
1: yeah, that I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Jared, we've got 10 minutes left, right. Uh, I'm going to jump to the next question. I've got actually two questions left, two questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you've touched on kind of your current role and what you do. It sounds like a really a really busy, interesting role. I'm interested though, what if you could go back into a full-time teaching position now, uh, if you ever would imagine it? <laughs> I don't know, sure, um, sure. or what, what might you do differently?
3: Yeah. Um, it, it is something that I think about, uh, uh, you know, um, I think what I would do is my classroom, I'm, I'm going to assume that, um, since we're talking hypotheticals, I'm, I'm going to assume I'd have an unlimited budget too, um, <laughs> because why not? Long as long as we're imagining. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> so mine would be a, my classroom would be a culture of, um, there'd be as much student autonomy as we could possibly have um, within them understanding the aim of what we're doing. Um, A phrase that came to me and I I don't remember where I saw this, if I saw it on a TV show or a poster, or if I saw it in a dream, I I remember that and I wrote it down and I had it in my cubicle at at work. Uh, And it said, there are two kinds of people in the world, those that want to control something and those that want to create something. Mm. And I thought, okay, I, I like that, give up control. I, and I'm, I'm a recovering control freak. Uh, when wow. I was in the classroom, I was, I was still in my control freak era. And um, so I, I would, as much as I could, would give over autonomy to the students as, much as, as many times as I could, as many opportunities for them to, to run things as I can as possible. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out to my mentor teacher, Liz Ladd, Uh, now Liz at Shenfield who, um, the best piece of advice she gave me after observing me once, uh, was she goes, make them less dependent on you. And, and I hear that in my, in, in my head all the time. Uh, I hear Liz often in my head all the time. Um, so what else, um, it would be a culture of, uh, of grace. There'd be a lot of remembering that we are human and if there is error, there is error. It is what it is. Um, and and so there, a, a culture of grace would be, an understanding would be very important. Um, it's a if it's a theater class, it's well it's actually if it's any class I'm teaching, um, there would also be a culture of um, something that's very big in theater right now. That is a, another thing that we should have been uh, doing for years. Is um, in, in theater world, there's a very big emphasis on uh, on consent and boundaries mm-hmm. um, when it comes to any kind of uh, physical contact or any kind of um, uh, issue with space, getting close to somebody or further away with somebody, there's there's a big emphasis on that right now in the theater world. It uh, it largely came out of uh, the Chicago professional theater scene and the, the Chicago standards are sort of the standards that everybody seems to be adopting. Um, so mine would be a culture of, consent as well before if there was ever a scene somebody was working on class and if somebody Mm -hmm, even had mm -hmm. to do a high five or a fist bump or a hug there would be discussion about that first and there would be okay i'm all right with a hug for this long i'm not okay there would be discussion about boundaries for the sake of empowerment um because that's another thing i'd want i'd want a culture of empowerment in the room um i'd i and um, yeah, yeah, patience as well. Um, that, that's something as a recovering control freak that I that that I struggled with when I was in the classroom, and, and I would I would I would dedicate myself to being the most patient teacher. Um, I do workshops with kids at conferences occasionally still too, um, and in those I've kept an old practice of mine, which is never yell. Um, I, I adopted that. If any of my students from Shenfield are listening, I know you're, you may be laughing uh, right now um, b- because it was a practice that I really became conscious of in Texas later on, but it's something I've kept. Um, mm-hmm. it, so never yelling unless there's an absolute safety emergency reason. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of those things are what I would bring with me. Um, and copious use of uh, technology. I'm, I'm actually mm-hmm. a big believer in technology. Um, We've bought, uh, our district has purchased Digital Theater Plus, which is a UK uh, outfit that, um, uh, th- that we now have in all of our uh, high schools and middle schools that have theater um, where they can watch world-class recorded productions um, and interviews with theater practitioners and those things. And I have a lot of use of, of technology through that. Uh, amazing
1: too so yeah amazing wow I love that That's a, re- a really good list to take forward um Jared I've got one more question for you but first we're going to sure. actually jump we've got um, a live listener who has typed a question for you I don't know if you can see the chat
3: I think I can yeah
1: but if you don't um I can read uh-huh. it out to you anyway we've got a question okay. from Shola morning Shola who's listening mm-hmm. um Shola asks um and it's there in the chat the students with special needs um how can you see when they've been put in a classroom that did not bring the best out of them, um, and just go with the program that the college or school have in place? What do you think needs to change? And so maybe you know, do you see students with special educational needs coming into theatre programs? What's your kind of response mm-hmm. to to show this? Yeah, question? yeah. I, I
3: think I, I think it's something that um, in in our in the district that I support, we there are some schools that are doing it really well. And uh, there are some schools that that could do a much better job. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to Westside high school uh, in Houston ISD. Um, They've had a class um, that is um, special needs students and a group of theater students that are, that have been trained to work. And it's one-to-one general ed student and special needs student. And, and they're paired up together for the year. Um, And it, it, and, and and it works wonderfully. Um, there's there, there's so much that it brings out of everyone. Um, there's another there's a school district in Texas, Keller ISD, uh, up by Fort Worth, that has a program, a district wide program, um, where for first level theater and first level visual art, they have one to one pairings of special needs students with with general ed students. Um, I think, I actually think. Um, more of us in Texas ought to to look at that model. And I think around the world, we ought to look at that model. It's a a really
1: interesting model, actually, not not something that I've seen.
3: Yeah, Yeah. I've also seen cases where and this this is where it goes wrong. I've seen cases where um, a theatre teacher is given um, a group of maybe six or eight special needs students put in with one of their theatre classes and nobody took time to talk to any about it, anyone about it first where they sort of just expected it to go fine. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I think that's the wrong approach. I think there is some groundwork you need to do ahead of time. I think you need to train, uh, your general ed kids. I think you need to ready your special needs kids. I think it's just, you know, th- this is the class you've signed up for. This is what you're doing in there. Your job is, ex- you know, um, and Yeah. Um, So I I guess I I don't know if I'm answering your your, your question well, but um, I think there's a I think there are right ways to do it. I think we've made a lot of mistakes with it that I hope we've learned from. Um, I think it's an area that we're a lot more aware of that needs to be better. Um, And I and and I know that in the U.S., district by district, something's being looked at I, I know that when when my a good friend of mine in Plano ISD went over to Keller and looked at their model the, the people from Plano went okay we're doing exactly what Keller's doing and, and we're gonna adopt it um, mm-hmm. I, I have wanted that's actually something I hope for and envision in my own job um, I, I, that is a program I would love to implement um, in the current district I'm in, there, there, there's reasons why that's um, something that may take a little longer uh, to get done. I'm not saying we can't do it, um, but it's something that may take a little longer. But mm-hmm. it's something that I've always that, that, that I am passionate about as well. And I, I think we all should be doing it. Wonderful. I hope that answered the question.
1: Well, actually, Shola has come back in the chat and said that's a good response. So oh, <laughs> thank, thank, you, you, Jen, and thank you, Shola, for, for asking such a thoughtful uh, question as well. Uh, That's really Mm -hmm. kind. So um, also morning, the guests have just joined us. Morning, West, who's also over in USA. I can see he's an early bird as well, just joining us. Uh, And just in time for our last question. So Jared, sadly, this is coming to the end of our show. Um, Mm -hmm. The last thing I want to ask you is, Mm -hmm. what is something that existed in your teaching experience in England that you wish you could have in your current work? But before you answer, listeners, I know Jared has already told us He loves English tea, so green tea. (laughs) He has a motto of don't yell. And also that he loved the phrase uh, create more, control less. But is there something else that has really stuck with you, Jared, from your time teaching in the UK that, you know, you still wish you could have or that you hold dear to you?
3: Sure. Um, One thing I a couple of things I really enjoyed, uh, particularly at Shenfield, um, there's a wonderful studio space that they had uh, that was that was a. It was a working theater space but it was also it was it was such a wonderful classroom um i'd 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 want to replicate a studio space like that uh again if i could have one of those again and then um another thing we had at shenfield we had numerous people teaching together um all all teaching theater at the same time and we and we would meet in our drama department meetings in a in a learning community and and talk about you know how we're going to teach this lesson and that And not every theater teacher in the US has that. What we often have in the US is we have one or two, maybe three, maybe four theater teachers at the most. Um, I did hear of a school somewhere in the US that has 12. Um, And actually I think they're in Texas. Um, But often it's not that many. And I loved that it was so many of us at Shenfield and, and we could offer different ideas to each other. Um, sometimes we would swap classes, uh, and, and, and that was great. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I love that community sense of, of, of creating, of creating the work uh, together. And I'd, I'd, I'd I'd want more of that.
1: Yeah. The space, the people in the space and the community Mm -hmm. that that brings. I love that so much. Sounds like you have some really good memories of teaching Mm -hmm. over here in the UK.
3: Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure
1: wonderful uh right just before we end the show i just want to thank all our listeners who've listened live we've got west dave david sam Cruz just joined us unfortunately just at the end of our show but for everyone else you can listen back um jared we just want to all on behalf of me and the listeners thank you for your time and also wish you the best of luck with the festival tomorrow
3: thank you so much i want to shout out to my wife and my daughter i love you both so much valerie and Alice uh if 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 you do uh end up listening to the to, to this long show. I love you both so much. Um oh, my, that's beautiful.
1: Hi Valerie Alice, you should be very I, proud. <laughs> my
3: my journey led me to them. Everything led me to them. So uh grateful for that. It's so, beautiful. As you, you so say, much. our
1: journeys are, are what they need to be. We just have to trust trust in, in the journey sometimes, even though it can, you know, feel like we're not going the right way. Just have yes. to to trust so that's so wonderful what I feel so wholesome after talking to you thank you Aww. so so much and Jared Thanks. next time I watch uh, my favorite cartoon King of the Hill I will remember you and this amazing conversation <laughs> likewise
3: thank you so much <laughs> I
1: wish you all the best for tomorrow and the weekend and uh look after yourself Jared
3: you too Poppy thank you so much take
1: care bye 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 bye. Uh, and to everyone else thank you for listening in you can listen back as well as all our other shows on our Teachers Talk Radio website from all our other hosts if you were at the BET exhibition this week you might have come and seen Tom and me and Marie and all our other hosts there Uh, thanks for, for just supporting our amazing radio station that shares people's voices wishing you all the best for the weekend and I'll be back with you with a very special guest very very soon take care